This is Christian Questions. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions. Talk radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And you have returned. I have indeed. (laughs) And folks, we're truly glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. So, good morning, Jonathan. It's good to have you back. It's great to be back. And thank you so much, Kathy, for filling in last week, because I was sick. Yeah, and she filled in really at the very, very last minute. Yes, she did. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, thanks thanks to Kathy for that. So, So, Jonathan, this morning we have a really, really important subject to talk about. We really do, Rick. And our question this morning is, is forgiveness really necessary? And our theme text is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. And, and Jonathan, we all know that Jesus taught us to forgive. If your brother trespasses against you seven times, remember that scripture? Oh, sure. Seven times in a day, Jesus says to forgive. Okay. Well, this might be difficult. We can see its value and strive to live up to that standard. But, you know, and there's always a but. <laughs> but what about when someone commits a horrible crime? What about when someone guns down in cold blood, innocent God-fearing people in a church at a Bible study. Is the same lesson of forgiveness relevant? Do the teachings of Jesus include forgiving those who are simply and purely evil in their actions? Jonathan, we had scheduled to do a program on forgiveness, uh, you know, couple of months ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when the shooting in Charleston came around as a current event, um, it seemed obvious that we needed to put those two pieces together and really talk about how forgiveness can be such a life-changing experience. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to be looking at the Charleston, South Carolina church shooting this morning and looking at it through the lens of Forgiveness, looking at it through the lens of scriptural principle and through the lens of healing the hurt, the massive, ridiculous hurt that has been put upon so many people as a result of that. So we will get started with our, our look there by just sort of setting, setting some background, setting the stage, if you will. Sin, evil, and our reactive desire to not forgive. We, we have a knee-jerk reaction to get back at Somebody. You're right. That's human nature. And, and that is part of how we react. And look, if you have the reaction, that's all well and good. But the real question is, how are you going to respond? Mm. Okay, reaction is one thing. Good point. Response is another. So as we look at how to respond to such things, let's first of all just put a scripture on the table that helps us to see the magnitude of God's mercy. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. 
the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And you, you know, you, you, you read a scripture like that, and it just gives you such a sense of peace and harmony and safety. It really does. So you get this great sense of safety when you read a scripture about the, the magnitude of God's love and God's mercy. And he does work vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. With that in mind, Jonathan, and we're going to be going to several sound bites that have to do with this uh, particular shooting in South Carolina. And, and so, folks, we just want to let you know, we're, we're going to get down to some of the, the, the nitty gritty of what, what happened there. So uh, just... Be aware, especially if you have uh, small children uh, listening along with you. Our first soundbite is going to be from CBS News, and we're going to do a little bit of summary here to, to just put things in perspective. Dylan Storm Roof was captured in Shelby, North Carolina. Witnesses say a gunman entered the Emanuel AME Church last night during a prayer meeting. He killed the pastor and eight parishioners. Jeff, let's go over, if we could, uh, the, the chain of events that we know. Uh, the shooting occurred around 9 p.m. last night, but from what you've gathered this morning, uh, the, the gunman actually entered the church, what, about an hour before that? Well, that's exactly right. Investigators have been uh, talking to some of their survivors. And they, we have been told that they talked to about three survivors of this mass shooting here. And what they learned was that the suspect uh, walked into the church uh, and there was a Bible study underway. That was about 8 p.m. He was among the parishioners there. And then suddenly, about an hour later, started firing, according to investigators, shooting and killing three men and six women. So, Jonathan, and, and everybody knows the story, but just to put it in the context of our program this morning, um, he goes and he sits down in their Bible study. For an hour. For an hour. Mm. And then gets up and starts shooting everybody. And they welcomed him freely. They did. To their and, study. And, and we're going to hear that side of the story in a big, big way as we get to this. But it's just such, a, uh, such, such an unmitigated tragedy mm. on every level. It here. is. I mean, when you, every part of this is wrong. It is. Every part of this is heartbreaking, and and you know obviously our hearts go out to to the families of those who who lost their lives for for no reason, and and there is no reason. You're right, there, absolutely. There's no possible measure of justification anywhere. So you've got a shooting in a church. You've got cold-blooded murder of those who are seeking God and have done nothing, nothing to wrong their killer. As a matter of fact, like you said, they were very welcoming mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. This stirs up anger towards such evil and we beg for God's power to come forth and, and do something and we should we want God to to exact uh, justice justice absolutely in, in a situation like this but you know we we want him to do it sort of when we want him to do it our way like like ready aim fire now <laughs> you know that we're, mm-hmm. we're almost giving yep. God direction Psalm 94 Verses one through seven has that has that sense of wanting God's justice right now. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up, O Judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord? How long shall the wicked exult? They pour forth words, they speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the orphans. They have said, the Lord does not see, nor does God, the God of Jacob, pay heed. So you can see the psalmist in writing this is, has that, that attitude of, there is so much injustice happening right around me. O Lord, how long are you going to wait before you exact 
justice in this matter. Mm-hmm. And he says they get away, literally, in this verse, they get away with murder. That's what he's saying in yep. Psalm 94. Yep. And we have the same kind of situation in, in, in the South Carolina a church shooting. The, the, well, he didn't get away with it. He got caught. But there is a sense of you want God to just do something and do something now and do something firmly and, and do something um, without reservation because we're so angry. And we should be at something like that. It's just, it just it's so out of character. And, and, and again, folks, you know... The, Today is a, is a lesson on forgiveness, and it's a lesson that is being taught to us, not only from Scripture, but from the reactions of the survivors and the, the, the families of those uh, who were shot. Yeah, their attitude, their example, it's amazing. They are teaching us biblical forgiveness, and we're going to open that up as, as we go through this program. So, folks, if you have a thought, uh, your response, your reaction, your, your feelings on the matter of this South Carolina uh, church shooting, our number is 866 4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, let's go down. We went to a CBS News um, summary. Let's go to an introduction into dealing with this uh, uh, church shooting. Uh, This is from CNN News uh, about putting things in order with this particular uh, event. Law enforcement sources tell CNN Roof admitted that he shot worshipers in cold blood as they gathered for a Bible study Wednesday at historic Emanuel AME Church. His chilling motive? One source tells CNN that the 21-year-old wanted to start a race war. Continuing to gather evidence against Roof, investigators have traced the 45 caliber handgun he was carrying to the shootings. And they say Roof bought it around his 21st birthday in April. The gun holds 13 rounds. And witnesses to the shooting said Roof reloaded a number of times. So he wanted to start a race war. Mm. Just, you know, every, everything's wrong about this. Oh, totally. Everything is wrong about this. He wanted to start a race war. war. He admits shooting them in cold blood. And, and so you put this and you say, okay, we want God's wrath to punish evil, and we want him to punish evil right now, and we should want him to punish evil. Let's go to another scripture along those lines, Deuteronomy thirty-two, thirty-five. Vengeance is mine, and retribution in due time their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near, and the appeating things are hastening upon them. So, again, this is a scripture reminding us vengeance belongs to God. And this is a really important text, because we need to understand that vengeance is God's. Because, Jonathan, we can't handle vengeance. No, no, we can't. Because it gets out of order, it gets out of touch, it gets... um, It gets overblown when we try to handle that. That's right, but God has that perfect justice, wisdom, power, and love that can handle it properly. Right. So, uh, we, but we, you know, we also need to see God's vengeance through the standpoint of His patience. God is not about reacting with pointed consequences; rather, He is about rewarding with proper consequences. That's interesting. Not about reacting with pointed consequences, but God is about rewarding with proper consequences a major major difference and that's why god is god and we're the created mm-hmm. because he can do that <laughs> and can. put it in order so back to cnn just to get a sense now this is this is at the at a hearing and the judge is going to be um again summing up the case here and putting some things in order that we're going to be getting into in just a few minutes let's go to the, to the next soundbite fred in shackles and wearing prison stripes 
Gunman Dylan Roof walks into his first court appearance with little fanfare or emotion. His image broadcasts via a video link from the detention center into a North Charleston courtroom. On the other side of the screen, off camera, relatives of the innocent victims. Before we go into the bond process, I would like to ask, are there any members, or is there a representative of any of the family that would be here that wish to make a statement before this court, before I post or set the bond? Through tears, some of them spoke. And we will hear them uh, in, in the next few segments. But, uh, Jonathan, that's unusual to give uh, that voice at that point in time. That is. And it was really a very good thing that it was done, and we'll, we'll, we'll see why as, as, as the, the program unfolds. Uh, but so you've, got this, so you've got this event unfolding. They found the guy, and none of, none of this looks very good at this point. It's all tragic. All of it is just completely tragic. So, so the judge is going to give them a voice. When given a voice in the face of evil, whose voice will we choose to use? Mm, interesting Isaiah, question. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. Behold my servant, whom I uphold. And this is talking about Jesus. My chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not exhaust. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. So it's about Jesus. It says, Behold my servant. That's Jesus. And Jesus carries out God's plan. Yeah, this is a beautiful picture of Christ's kingdom to come. His attitude, uh, like his heavenly father, of patience and justice. And it really comes down to it's all in due time. Due time, absolutely. This is not the time for God to exact justice. No. Not yet, not here, not now. But this scripture, along with many others, tell us the time is coming. And when it comes, everything will then be put in order. God does not forget, but he puts things in proper order so they can be dealt with with justice and mercy. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? Coming up, are there instances when we should not forgive, like when there is no repentance for the wrong done? Are you sure? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to sign up. Uh, Actually, why don't you go to your app store with your smartphone and get your free app for Christian Questions. So the Christian Questions app is available at your app store. And uh, Jonathan, it's a great, great, great tool. It makes things really easy. It does. Last week, well, we weren't here. We were at my parents' house uh, for Father's Day weekend. And we listened to the program live on our app. And all you had to do was press a button. You got it. So no matter where you are, internet or not, if you have phone service, you can uh, key into what's going on here. Absolutely. So again, the app is available at your, your, your app store. 
And it's Christian Questions. You can't miss it, and you won't regret having it, I promise. And so, okay, so, so Jonathan, let's get back down to this. You know, the question that you asked at the end of the last segment was, do we always have to forgive? Yeah. How, how did you put it? Are there instances when we should not forgive, like when someone does something wrong to you and they, they don't repent? And there's no repentance. Right. Okay, yeah. so, and that's an important question. That's a very important question. And let me, let me preface this segment of the program by saying human beings have a need to forgive. Okay, we have a need to forgive. We also have a need to be forgiven. We'll get to that later. Good point. Okay, but we do have a need to forgive. So, you know, should we forgive if there, if there is no repentance? Well, regardless of your answer and how you think about that, our attitude should never be one of joy in anybody's suffering. Oh, okay, th- that's, that, that's good. That has to do with the sense of revenge and the sense of wanting somebody to suffer right, for what they right. did to us. And, and the scriptures bear that out. Proverbs 24, 17 to 19. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, or the Lord will see it and be displeased. And turn his anger away from him. Do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked. So we really have to check what our attitudes are are, are, are saying and, 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 and provoking us towards when we have situations where a need for forgiveness, when somebody's and done us you wrong. You think, what would Jesus do? Have sympathy yes. for even our enemies. But does that mean people are just able to get away with it because you know, you're just like a doormat? See, they, well, what do you do with that? How do you... How do you make those two things work together? And, folks, again, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Let's go back to CNN, Jonathan, Voices of the Victims' Families. Remember the the judge said, do any of the family members or representatives of the family members have something to say? Right. And, folks, this... They have plenty to say. And this is astounding. Just, just, you may have heard this already, probably have, but... Just listen to their words here in this soundbite in relation to the topic of forgiveness. Your name, ma'am? Felicia Sanders. One of them, Felicia Sanders, a survivor of the slaughter who lost her son in the attack, seems to speak for them all. We welcome you Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms. You have killed some of the most beautifulest people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts. And and I'll never be the same. Ruth listens expressionless. Staring down, he says nothing. They're just a just such a sense of, of great loss. In, in her in her statement. She lost her son. He went to a Bible study. If you're going to send your son somewhere and figure he's going to be safe... It would be at a Bible study. <laughs> it certainly would. I did not hear any hate in her comment. No, but you heard the pain. Oh, yes. You heard, you felt oh, the, yeah. the pain. And, and I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child. It, and, and, and this woman is going through that. That's the first reaction. We'll get to some other reactions as we go through the program. But it just gives you a sense that... You're right. She's not lashing out. No. She's not wishing him, you know, ill will or anything. She's look, we welcomed you, and and you you you've killed some of the most beautiful people I've ever known, mm-hmm. and, and that that says something. When we look at forgiveness, Jonathan, there's actually four key New Testament words regarding forgiveness. Okay, so we're going to go through them throughout the program. The first one is, uh, w- well, what does it mean? What's the definition? 
To send forth or away. Okay. So this word, this particular word for forgiveness in the New Testament is very broadly used. It covers godly and human forgiveness. It's this word that most clearly reflects our forgiveness of one another. So mm-hmm. the word literally means to send forth or to send away. Matthew eighteen twenty one for for instance, an example. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Okay, so how often should I send it forth or send it away from me? As right. many as seven times, of course, we know the answer Jesus says. You know, Seventy times seven. Yeah, basically Jesus says, what are you <laughs> counting for? <laughs> that's what he says. Okay, so that's the word, and we're going to be talking about that as we go through the rest of this segment, and then talking about, well, what if there's no repentance? Should you still forgive? So we're going to get to that in a moment. Let's switch gears a little bit, though. Another CNN uh, interview, this is with a gentleman named Stanley or Marcus Stanley, who had nothing to do with the shooting. He wasn't there. But he had been the victim of a shooting several years before this. And he did something very, very unusual. So, and I, folks, I don't know if you're familiar with this part of the story. This is really interesting, and it really helps us to understand forgiveness a little bit more deeply. Let's listen. Marcus Stanley himself is a victim of gun violence. He was shot eight times. He was confronted by a gang member in Baltimore. He joins me now. Thanks for being here, Marcus. I'm grateful to be with you tonight, Bobby. You wrote this, quote, I don't look at you with the eyes of hatred. I look at you as a human being that made a horrible decision to take the lives of nine living and breathing people. Where did you find it in your heart to write that? It was in my heart because I've been in the same position of, you know, feeling isolated, feeling alone. Um, After my shooting, you know, in 2004, I withdrew and I uh, plunged deep into addiction. So I, I... even though I didn't go through the same exact thing what Dylan was going through, I still reached out to him in love. So it's interesting, Jonathan, because he is the only person who put a message on the, the shooter's Facebook page. Mm. And this, he put a very long message about sort of understanding. Now, he's not, he's not saying to him, you know, you're off the hook, it's okay. Right, right. But he's saying, I want you to understand that people understand where you are. And it, it's, it's, it's unusual. And you look at it and say, well, look, the guy just murdered nine people in cold blood. Why would you do that? And the answer is because there's another way. And he said, because of love. Right, right. And he said he understood because he felt the same isolation that he's assuming the shooter was feeling mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of his life. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to come back to that a little bit later as well. We're sort of building the case for what true Christian forgiveness really looks like and and jonathan today is unique we've done many programs on forgiveness yes we have but we've never done programs on forgiveness forgiveness in the context of, a, of an event that just happened where individuals have shown us have written the christian definition for forgiveness for us through their example right wow and when you look at their example and you look at the scripture you say wow it's the same thing neat so it's a great way to 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 really firm up in our own minds what is our obligation as Christians toward being forgiving. Our forgiveness to each other. Is repentance required from someone who sins against us? Is it required? We'll see. Well, I would say yes, it is. And no, it's not. <laughs> so there. I got away with that one. Oh, well. you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> so look, let's look at a scripture that shows the part that repentance should play. Luke seventeen three to 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. See, there it is. And if he repent, forgive him. 
And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So you have an interchange between the two. And forgiveness follows that exchange. Yes. Okay, let's keep that thought on the side. Now let's go to another scripture in Luke. Again, the words of Jesus, Luke six twenty-seven to 31. And this is a scripture that talks about loving without condition, without that conversation that was just spoken about in the previous scripture. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as they would have them do to you. Okay, so this is all about just doing good, doing good, doing good. It doesn't matter what the other person does back to you. Right. It's love them anyway. So there's two different, two different approaches here. Yeah. So, so why are there two different approaches? Why is it that Jesus says two things that look to be absolutely contradictory to one another? Well, first of all, one is regarding your brother, and the other is regarding enemies, those in the world. Okay, so Jesus is essentially the teaching context, us right? that you treat people a little differently depending on what you expect that they will know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, yep. folks, if you have a thought, it's 866 985-4255. We're talking about the South Carolina church shooting. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about how do you put such a horrible, horrible crime in context and how do we as Christians live up to forgiveness? What does it really mean? Again, 866-985-4255. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning. Morning. Join our conversation any day at time at christianquestions.com. Yes, we're on Sunday mornings. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and folks, if you have a comment and you don't want to call and you've got the app, you can certainly you can uh, send a message us uh, through the app right to the program here and we'll see if we can get your comments in. So, so Jonathan, when we talked about those two scriptures, you had mentioned, okay, they're about two different things. Yes, one is about your brother in Christ, the other is about someone in the world. Okay, so that's the first the, the, the first comparison between the two scriptures. The second comparison, the first scripture shows what? It shows communication. Because you have some kind of relationship there. Right, right. And the second shows persecution. Yeah, somebody coming after you. You, yeah. know, you know, love your enemies. If someone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If they take away your coat, don't withhold your shirt. You know, it, it's saying there, there's someone that's, that's angry about you or with you that you have no relationship with mm -hmm. versus somebody that you do have a relationship with. That's right. So there's a different context of the act of forgiveness in both of those things. And so the first scripture about, uh, you know, if your brother trespasses against thee, against the, what does it say? It says, um, well, if he repents, then you, you forgive him. But uh, specifically, it says to forgive. Okay. And the second scripture? says to love, bless, and be humble. Okay. So th there's a different reaction to those within and to those without. Those within should know better. So, but if they don't repent, do you well, forgive them? Well, you know, and again, what does forgiveness mean? It means to send the, the, the situation away from you personally. Mm -hmm. Right. And if somebody who you know and is, is, is a fellow Christian is, is not repentant, well, that, that, does, that creates a great rift. It does. Because they've done a wrong and they're not, they're, they're not 
you know, responding to it. You know, from your own standpoint, it, it creates a difficult uh, situation because you can have that forgiving attitude, but there's something that needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference in that situation and somebody in the world, okay? There's a difference because with somebody in the world, they're, they're on the outside looking in. It's not in. personal. Right, right, right. It's not personal. It's not about someone who knows and loves God the way you do. Right. So very, very different. Yeah. So, and, and we'll, we'll develop, de- develop that a little bit further. Fred, let's go to the next soundbite. This is, again, from CNN. And this is interviewing other Christians in that area uh, about Christianity and what Christianity truly stands for. I think one of the most remarkable events of this last week is uh, the families of the victims telling this horrific person whose name I will only use sparingly, I forgive you. Um, I don't know that I would have the strength to say that. Is this something that is particular to the AME church? Is this something about black churches? Is it Christianity in general? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, um, you know, I think the whole world was, was moved by that. And, you know, and it's interesting because... Christianity in the world today does not get a good coverage. <laughs> From the media. From the media. It really okay. doesn't. It really okay. doesn't. And when you see raw Christianity in force, like you see in, in this experience in South Carolina. Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. They're saying, well, wait, uh, you know, this is unusual. Is this so like they're a, questioning. Yeah, is this like a Christian thing? <laughs> what? <laughs> and the answer is... That's what Christianity is supposed to stand for. That is exactly what Christianity is supposed to look like. But the image that's portrayed, unfortunately, is, is simply not that. Yes. And so these individuals in South Carolina did Christianity a wonderful service. They certainly by did. By living scriptural principles. That's right. What an example. In the most difficult circumstances. So... Back to our, our, our discussion on the, the two different ways of dealing with repentance and forgiveness. So the provocation to forgive can come from, in the first scripture, someone's recognition for their need for forgiveness. You know, a brother, mm-hmm. you know, I do something to you that I shouldn't have done, and you say, hey, Rick, you know, you, you know what you just did? And I look at it and say, oh, gee, I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't mean it. And then, so and there's that there's recognition. And forgiveness. Right, right. Sure. Um, Second scripture, regarding those still in the darkness of the wor- this world from our desire to lift up those who may have hurt us for their own good. Lift them up, show them forgiveness, and it, that is for their own good. Excellent. And a lot of times you think about that, say, no, 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 beat them down, that's for their own good. But Jesus is showing us something different. He's saying the forgiveness is for their own good. And why would that be? We'll, we'll develop that as we go through this program. So to forgive is to make someone sit against us, lose its relevance in our life. I like that. Oh, that's huge. And again, that's what was displayed in, in, in South Carolina. Forgiveness releases us from damaging emotions. Proverbs 19.11. The discretion of a man maketh him slow to anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. It takes work to have that discretion to be slow to anger. That's what forgiveness is when you're dealing with somebody from the world, somebody from darkness. And it releases you from that sin. It takes the, the relevance of what they did away from your life and you can now work on the healing process and hopefully that sends a message to them. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? Coming up, what gives anyone the strength 
to forgive such heinous crimes. What if it happened to you? Would you forgive? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. You really want to do that, especially with a program like this, because there's so many scriptures and principles that you want to have in, in that PDF file that you get every week and that you can refer to. So when you listen back to the program and you have the notes in front of you, it really, really makes sense. And that's a free service available exclusively at Christian Questions. And the graphics and illustrations really bring out the points. I love them. You can order it uh, through your app or at ChristianQuestions.com. And, and Jonathan, before we go to the phones, you know, you, you talked about, well, what gives somebody the strength to forgive such a heinous crime? Yeah. And I want to give an answer to that just before we start. Okay. You get the strength because you realize your own need for forgiveness from God through Christ. That's where the strength comes from. We have to understand that as the basic principle of Christianity and why Christianity is such a powerful force when properly applied. Let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Carol from Connecticut. Good morning, Carol, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hi. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I need help. Okay. Um, I I heard yesterday, well, the other day, about how this, they, the family forgave this person. I've had uh, my sibling and her whole family have hurt me for decades and decades, and recently to the ultimate low where I cannot ever forgive them. I want to. I tried with a phone call, but it never came back to me. I can't do it, and, and I know it's wrong. I'm a Christian, but I can't do it, and I need help trying to... Is it wrong just... Wiping the whole family out and saying, no, I don't want to talk to them ever. How do I do this? I'm, I love them. I still love them, but I can't forgive them for what they just recently did to me. Well, you know, Carol, Carol that's, a, that's a very important and, and, and difficult, difficult question. And while we don't know the circumstances, we don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Just right. from scriptural principle, the idea of Christian forgiveness for somebody like that is to put this situation, the circumstance, away from you. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I think you want to focus on is letting whatever the hurt is not be a driver in your life anymore. And it has been. Right, and it sounds like it has been by the way you described it. Mm -hmm. And if you can learn to bring it before God through Jesus and say, look, I just need help getting beyond this and being able to live my life, to love them, even if it has to be from a distance. Right. To love them uh, and and to to move forward with life without this thing Mm -hmm. driving me, that's Mm -hmm. what forgiveness is. Right. Okay. Well, that's good because I do pray for them. Yeah. And and see whether anything comes back from them is not relevant. The okay. forgiveness is to release you from the results of what they have done to you. That's great news, and I I will practice that. Believe me. Thank you very much. All right, Carol. God bless. Thanks Thank for calling. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Take care. And Jonathan, very practical example of what Christian forgiveness really is when it comes to dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, thanks so much for the call and, and, call and the question and the sincerity there. Uh, let's go back, Fred, let's go back to another CNN soundbite uh, with voices of the families of the victims of this shooting. It hurt me. 
That is remarkable. Mm. That is absolutely remarkable. The, the the tears and the anguish and, and, and the utter raw emotional hurt and the words I forgive you. Every one of them. I forgive you. You took something away from me that I'll, I'll never be the same. I forgive you. How can you do that? Wow. How are you able to rise to that level? It gives me goosebumps to, 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 when, I, when I listen to that. It's beautiful. It is. It is one of the most beautiful things because it's such a tragedy and they, we are the family that love built. It was one of them mm-hmm. you know, referring to the, their, their church family. Sure. And it just gives you a sense that, look, that's one of the bases of what true Christianity is supposed to look like. And they're living it. It's, yes. It's just not lip service. Right, right. You, you, it's you, from the heart. You don't do lip service when you've no way. When your family members have been murdered in cold blood. That's right. I mean, it's, the lip service isn't going to come out. Yep. So it, this will be tested. True. Okay, but you, you see that the intention of their heart mm-hmm. is to truly, truly, truly uh, practice Christian forgiveness. So, first, Jonathan, we have to realize in order to be forgiven, in order for us to have our sins that we commit not be relevant to God. Because remember, like we just told Carol, you don't want that sin against you to become relevant to you. Mm-hmm. For us, for our sins to not be relevant to God, we have to make the sins of others against us not relevant to us. That's right. That's right. And that's a scriptural principle, and it's actually a scriptural principle taught in the context of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 to 15. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And again, the word for forgive in this whole context is putting it away from you. So in in relation to what happened in South Carolina, in relation to our previous caller, put the experience and the result of it away from you. Make, Make it not relevant to your life. And God can do the same for us. And, and Rick, the word debts is not money. Right. But it's our sins and transgressions right. committed uh, that take us out of balance with God. Right. And you don't want to be out of balance no, with God. No, you don't. And, you and do it's not. a struggle. It is absolutely a struggle. But you find the strength to forgive by realizing you need to be forgiven by God through Jesus. That's right. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. And don't forget to go to our Facebook page at ChristianQuestions.com, and you can also tweet us at CQ Net Radio. So when we're forgiven by God, like in the Matthew 6 scripture we just read, do we undergo just an emotional change or is it an actual change? 
See, that's the thing. Oh. And and and, and that shows where your strength will truly come from. Because mm-hmm. if it's just an emotional they swing, come and go. Right. <laughs> and so will your strength then? Absolutely. All right. So l- let's go back again. Another another CNN soundbite about the interview with the Christians about Christianity. First of all, let's be very, very clear. Both ends of the political spectrum have to be challenged by what you're going to see today. You have the secular left, from Bill Maher all the way over, who've been dumping on religion for the past five, six years, saying religion is only about bigotry, it's only about violence, it's only the fundamentalists are religious. This is religion today. You're about to see the, the, the good part of religious faith, the strength that it can give you to get through unspeakable times. And you also have conservatives who, uh, when there's ever, ever there's any violence against America, only respond saying, we got to go to war. You're not going to hear that today. You're going to hear a, a conversation about how you deal with the worst of the worst and yet bring out the best of the best. That is the moral strength of the black church. That is the moral strength of Christianity. That's I'm right. I'm going to expand Thank that you. because Thank it, you. it really is the moral strength of what the true fundamentals of Christianity are. You're and right. again, it's because of our recollection, our, our need and our understanding that we need forgiveness from God. We certainly do. So to be able to forgive someone else when you need the same thing is, is much easier. It's a much easier thing to do. So we have to realize that the sacrifice of Jesus means to us. The forgiveness we receive from that sacrifice is much more than the forgiveness that we've been talking about. You're right. right. It is much more because it's eternal. That's right. Big deal there. The following is the second word for forgiveness used in the New Testament. What does this word mean? Freedom or pardon. Now this word, Jonathan, is never used in connection with us forgiving one another. Ever. How, how is it used? Then? It's only used related to the pardon granted through Jesus' sacrifice. So our forgiveness of one another sends the sin away from us. It doesn't forgive them for the actual sin. That's a God thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus removed us from Adamic sin and gives us the opportunity for eternal life. Our forgiveness one to another can't do that. Gotcha. So his forgiveness of us is way higher than any kind of forgiveness we can give to one another. An example of this ver- word is in Ephesians 1, seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Okay. Fred, let's go to, this is a great soundbite. We're running out of time, but I've got to fit this in. Uh, this is N- MSNBC's Thomas Roberts uh, outside the courthouse uh, in South Carolina. And just, just listen, he chokes up. He's live reporting and he chokes up. This case, but hearing emotional testimony from the family. But can we look over here right now? I mean, it's kind of heartbreaking. Uh, they're singing, and a whole flood of people showed up at the same time. This arraignment was taking place. So you're hearing uh, from the family, and then this whole group of people showed up, and they're singing a gospel song. Uh, and you heard from the family members of uh, those who were lost, uh, and I apologize. Just watch the video. You can just see he just is having a hard time controlling himself because he was so moved by not only what had been said from the from the standpoint of the families, but the love pouring out from those there to support the perfect families. strangers came there for wow. one reason and one reason only, to wow. be supportive in their stand for being forgiving wow. and to hold them up in their trial. I mean, Jonathan, that gives you a sense of what the power of Christian principles properly applied can actually do. 
properly applied mm. can actually do. Wow. So it really is it is it is inspiring to see that the role that forgiveness can play in our lives. Folks, we're almost out of time for this hour, so I just want to mention now, if we're not on in your area, please, please, please go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live. Stay with us for the second hour because this story is just warming up in terms of understanding the depth of what forgiveness can do for us. Not only our being forgiveness forgiven for our sins, but our ability to forgive others. And get your free app on your smartphone and just... Click Listen Live, and you can listen to the second hour so right after you sign up. Just stay with us, and, and we certainly would love to hear from you in the second hour as well. Uh, Jonathan, God's forgiveness to the, 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 the world of mankind is something we don't see a lot of evidence of yet. But it is, it, it is in place already because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Hebrews 9.22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission or pardon. Now, interesting, the word for remission means pardon, and that's the word for sacrifice of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So in the Old Testament, what you had, what, what, what we're being told in the book of Hebrews, is that the Old Testament was continually picturing the sacrifice of Jesus by the sacrifice, those, those animal sacrifices. Yes. The shedding of blood was necessary for the remission, the taking away of sins. Not the putting of the sin away from us so it doesn't affect us anymore, but the literal removing of the sin. Jesus came and was that lamb of sacrifice. That's he what satisfied is. justice. Absolutely, positively, unequivocally, totally, completely, fully, and wholly. A life for a life. Sacrificed the justice that God required to give man an opportunity for eternal life. That is a pardon. All we're asked to do is put sins away from us so they no longer affect us. And we're, Folks, we'll refer you to Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21 to show you that pardon that we're talking about. But Jonathan, bottom line is this. Our forgiveness to one another causes a sin to become irrelevant in our lives. Jesus' sacrifice erases sins. That's the difference. Thank God. In the second hour, folks, how do we better apply the principles of what we can do to forgive one another to each other? That's coming up in the second hour. Also more on the graciousness of God's plan for us and our forgiveness. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back after the news and all of that. But till then, is forgiveness really necessary? It is such an important part of our lives. Folks, think about it. We'll be back soon. This is Christian Questions. Corey Ten Boom once said, Forgiveness is an act of will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we're talking about one of the most important subjects in our lives uh, today. That's for sure, Rick. Our question is, is forgiveness really necessary? And our theme text is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. 
See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So, Jonathan, in the first hour, we have been really focusing on the concept of forgiveness uh, and using the backdrop of the recent event in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, the church shooting. Yes, the AME church, yes. And how those people who are members of that church opened up their arms and their hearts to be forgiving under the most difficult odds that we can imagine. Yes, horrific and when experience. We, when we look at what they said and how they have acted in the context of what happened, it is truly an application of sound Christian principles of forgiveness. It sure is. And it gives it, and it, you know, the whole world stopped and said, what? And rightfully so, because that shows us what this really is all about. So, so in this segment, Jonathan, we're going to focus on forgiveness in action. We're going to be coming back to uh, some sound bites from the context of that shoot and so, and shooting and so forth. Uh, you know, in terms of forgiveness in action, while most of us will never have the horrible experience that those at the AME church had, and therefore will never have the most dramatic expression of forgiveness, you know, I look, I don't want to. Okay? Right, right, I don't, me neither. I don't want to go down that road. Right. We can all certainly have experiences in which great faith is required to be able to forgive. Yes. And we had an example of that in a caller in the first hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also we got um, some... Messages through the app from Melinda in Virginia, uh, mentioning that caller in the first hour, how, how it was very, very important to, to listen to that because um, many of us struggle with things like that, but we just struggle silently. Right, right. And, and she said, I just want to read part of her, one of her, her messages here. She said, maybe um, forgiveness is an act, an active and ongoing action where you bring it to God and then actively leave it in his hands and seek his peace. This means by not rehashing it in your mind, and that's powerful, That is, and speaking bad about the situation or the person, the more you practice pushing it back to God, the faster you will be able to feel his perfect peace and be able to forgive the situation or the person. Mm, Nice. That's the biblical principle of sending that sin against you away from you. Okay, so very, very uh, well, well spoken there. And again, folks, if you want to call us uh, with your thoughts, it's 866-985-4255. If you want to message us through the app, hit the message button on the app, and it's really, really simple. Jonathan, we have a call that's been waiting for quite some time. Let's go to the phone. Yes, we do. This is David from Indiana. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, good morning. Yeah, the, you know, we can't forget the distinction of, of, of a penalty in God's word for sin. There, there, there are Sins worthy of death, murder being one of them. Uh, and then there's, you know, forgiveness. Uh, we, we can't use forgiveness to, to counter God's commandments. You know, that, you know, uh, you know that's kind of placing us over God, you know. Like mm-hmm. we, we forgive this. Um, you know, you can forgive these things, these people posthumously. You know, God knows from the beginning who's, uh, who's, going to be saved and who is not there are some people given up you know into into say this this person's all right that you know god himself has has, has given up uh, you know that that's in conflict with with god's as, as well you know the non-forgiveness is, is 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 leaving you in a mire that 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 those that time and the actions that you could be doing with that time should be an offering to god and you're denying that offering in your non-forgiveness. You're, you're dwelling in a place 
where you don't belong as a Christian. So forgiveness is necessary, but the the person that where that rubber meets the road is the ones that lost their lives in the forgiveness. I can forgive uh, Geronimo for killing Custer, but I'm pretty doggone remote, you know, from uh, from that act. And 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 these people, though, you know, their their love is very real to their others. They they can only, their their forgiveness only goes so far, but right. the loss of life that's that's where the true forgiveness uh, really uh, has merit when you're dying and you forgive somebody you have made a real statement you know a hundred percent commitment <laughs> all right david really appreciate your thoughts uh, very well said thank you very much okay bye. T- take care you know and and you know what he started out saying was really important because he started out you know saying look you know the, the idea of our forgiveness it doesn't release them from consequences and it doesn't by definition it doesn't uh, this young man should go to trial and you know if he's guilty he should be convicted and suffer whatever those consequences are because he murdered people mm-hmm. our forgiveness releases his murderous action from ourselves it does not release him from godly consequences, and it does not release him from justice. You know, the, the, the other thought that, that David brought out, you know, about, you know, God knows ahead of time, and, you know, some people are giving up, uh, we see it differently, okay? We see a little bit differently from a, uh, from a scriptural standpoint. We see that Jesus died as a ransom for all to be testified in due time, and that all will be given a resurrection and a choice at that point. But, again, that's a doctrinal difference and doctrinal perspective. Dave, we truly appreciate your calling in and sharing some thoughts with us. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to um, another quick soundbite from CNN. Remember, they were interviewing different Christians, and they're, like, they're, they're puzzled, like, well, is this really, is this, is this what Christianity really is? And it's like, hello! <laughs> yes. It is and always has been. Let's listen. This particular church has just done such an extraordinary history. They've done with dealt with tragedy from um, every kind over decades so what you're seeing here is a community uh, and a church set up healing the country I am so proud of the people of Charleston and I wandered around there last night found that wooden cross which is the real symbol of the day not the Confederate flag yeah. and people laying flowers down and praying and holding and singing spirituals and I felt very uplifted and when I arrived here in Charleston I was depressed and it's the power of Christianity today that's that's the, the, the winning spiritual energy. And he said something really important. I won't take a lot of time on it, but there's all this hullabaloo about the Confederate flag that fl- was flying over the state house, and oh, we should change that because see what happened because of that. But you know what? While that flag was flying over the state house, these Christian people were forgiving. That's the news of the day. That's the news of the moment. That's the news of the hour. That's the news of the year is that wake up people. Christian forgiveness is a principle that's scriptural and has great transformative power. Let's pay attention to that. Okay. Absolutely. Get off my stump there now and get back to normal. (laughs) Okay. Jonathan, we want to talk about forgiveness in action in this segment. Um, we're going to look at a story that has several layers of forgiveness, beginning with the stoning of Stephen. Remember, Stephen, the Christian, was stoned to death. Yes. Okay, let's start with Acts seven fifty-eight to 60. We're dropping in as they're stoning him. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
Having said this, he fell asleep. So the last uttered prayer of Stephen was one for forgiveness to those who were murdering him. That's powerful, powerful, powerful Christianity. Just like Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Acts 8, 1 to 3. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women who would put them in prison. So Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, was the one who was overseeing the stoning of Stephen. Which Stephen asked forgiveness for, for him right? So and others. So Saul is watching this, and now he perpetrates the evil afterwards. That is a, a catalyst toward great persecution led by Saul the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's put that thought on hold. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes here. Let's go back to CNN. Remember we were talking about Marcus Stanley, the gentleman who had nothing to do with the shooting but had suffered from being shot. Eight times. Eight times, yes. and living through it, and, and learned the power of forgiveness through his own experience. Let's listen a little bit more about how he speaks of forgiveness. Some people watching this, we've seen this unbelievable outpouring of forgiveness from some of the family members of the victims who were murdered, saying, you know, I will never forget, I will always be in pain, but I, I forgive you. Other people watching this may say, how can you forgive him? How can you forgive someone like that? They drove 120 miles to carry out this pre-planned massacre. What do you say to them? It's, it's possible to forgive. The only way that you can forgive is through the hope of Jesus. And that's why I reached out to Dylan. I, was, I went to my shooter that attempted to shoot me, that shot me eight times at point-blank range. And I, and I reached out to him and I told him that I forgive him. And he didn't mm. say anything back to me at all. So forgiveness is not about, you know, how you personally feel about a person. It's it's 100% about releasing it and being free. He nailed it. Wow. He nailed it. And and, and Jonathan, he nailed it because he lived it. Yes. Yes. And that's the key. You know, that's what it is. And, And, you know, back to our last caller, Dave from Indiana was saying that. You know, we free them from our own lives. But we don't free them from the consequences. Right, That's what right. our forgiveness can do. Mm-hmm. So now in, in our scriptural example, and before we go back to the scriptural example, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. And you can also email us at rick at christianquestions.net. Okay. Back to Saul, the Pharisee, he's now going to become Paul, the Christian. He was instrumental in the persecuting of Christians, in the dragging off of men and women and putting them into prison because of their beliefs. He was a heinous criminal in the sight of God. He was. He really, truly was. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 to 19, I'm going to interrupt you a lot. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. So Ananias has this vision from God, and he's being told, uh, well, actually, uh, from, from, uh, from Jesus, and, and he's being told to go see Saul, the Christian persecutor. Whoa. Yeah, that's like, wait a minute, wait, 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 hello? See what? <laughs> well, let's continue reading. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, 
how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias questions it and, and Jesus says to him, No, go. There, there's, there's something that has to be done. He's a chosen vessel unto me. He didn't look like a chosen vessel to God at the time. Not at all. But he was. He was. So what happens? So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me to you that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he goes, he acts in faith, and does exactly what the vision had told him to do. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. So the forgiveness, remember the forgiveness that Stephen prayed for, forgive them, for they know not what, don't hold his sin against them? Yes. That forgiveness that Stephen prayed for was directly answered in the life of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. God answered his prayer and forgave Saul, but it was not without any lack of testing that's that Saul, now Paul, would need to prove his faith. He had to prove it again and again and again and again. Yes. And he suffered greatly. Ananias displayed the faith to forgive and acted accordingly. There had to be a forgiveness on the part of Ananias. Absolutely. And it doesn't talk about it, but you know that it had to be there for him to act with such great And say the faith. word brother Saul. Exactly. Wow. So, so think about it. Saul, a persecutor of Christians, he, uh, he becomes a leader of Christians, then he is personally that he has to personally suffer the wrath of his previous allies. That's what Saul, the Apostle Paul, will end up going through. Mm. So the, the, wow. the rebellion he was leading is now going to rebel against, <laughs> against him. him yes. But he comes to Christ. Ananias forgives him. Stephen prayed for his forgiveness. And obviously Jesus forgave him. There is forgiveness in action on so many levels. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, is forgiveness really necessary? Coming up, how can we become better forgivers? And what are the repercussions if we don't forgive? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL, or you can message us on your app. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now, and our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, there's there's two aspects to this this subject of forgiveness that we really want to focus on in the last couple of segments. First, in this segment, how can we become better forgivers? Yes. And then, secondly, in the next segment, we want to focus on how can we live forgiven in in a, in a more full way. So, we really this segment. How can we? How do we get better at being forgiving? And I think you know just a basic principle that we've mentioned several times is that realize that we have been forgiven. So we, therefore, should be forgiving. That's the first thing. Absolutely. Okay, so we'll, we'll be coming back to that. But again, and we mentioned this earlier in the program, realize that forgiveness re- releases us from damaging emotions. F- being forgiving is good for your health. Sign me up. <laughs> Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. <laughs> 
He that is slow to anger is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Okay, so if you rein in your emotions, you're better off. That's what that scripture is saying. Proverbs twenty five twenty three. The north wind bringeth forth rain. So doth a backbiting tongue an angry countenance. So bring they bring forth rain. They bring forth the the sorrow of life, those things. Yes. Again, being forgiving, living a forgiving life and a forgiving attitude is very good for your health. And it really truly is. It is. It wears you out if you're not forgiving. There are scientific studies that show that people who are able to let go of things live longer, suffer less cancer, so forth mm-hmm. and so on. So it really is a powerful thing. In, in, in terms of the, the whole forgiveness thing, um, let's go back to another soundbite from the, the South Carolina incident, the church shooting. And let's hear from the shooter's family. They had a written statement after the fact, which, again, I don't know if everybody's heard of, but I think it, it, it's, it's, it's telling. And a short time ago, CNN received this statement from the Roof family, and it reads like this, quote, Words cannot express our shock, grief, and disbelief as to what happened that night. We are devastated and saddened by what occurred. We offer our prayers and sympathy for all of those impacted by these events. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and friends of those killed this week. We have all been touched by the moving words from the victims' families offering God's forgiveness and love in the face of such horrible suffering. So, Jonathan, you have the family speaking out, and a lot of times the family of the shooter. A lot of times we don't think about the family of the one who perpetrates You're the crime. right, we don't. We're going to come back to that principle later on in this, in this segment in a very powerful way. Remember earlier on in the program we said there's four basic words for forgiveness in the New Testament. Yes. One was to send the sin away from you. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Another was pardon, to actually erase the sin. That's what Jesus' sacrifice did. Yes. The third word for forgiveness, what does it mean? To free, relieve, release, dismiss, let die. I pardon and divorce. Okay, and this word is broadly used, but it's almost never translated forgive. It is here or there. That's why we, we're, we're discussing it, and it is used to, to describe divorce. And when you think about it, to divorce is to is to set somebody free from you to send them away. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so that the principle you can see how forgiveness and the idea of divorce the, there is a thread. Of similarity there. A thread. I want to say it's a thread, okay? <laughs> not make a big deal out of it. Matthew twenty seven, seventeen. Therefore, when they were to gather together, Pilate said to them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ. And Rick, that word release is that word for forgive. Sometimes it's used for forgive. As a matter of fact, let's read the next scripture, Luke six thirty seven, because that's where it's translated forgive. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Release, dismiss, send away, and that same kind of thing will happen for you. So there's a lesson here in terms of how do we become uh, better forgivers. The first lesson was realizing that being a forgiving, having a forgiving attitude releases us from damaging emotions. Yes, and this it's healthy for you. What is this lesson here? Determined to truly walk away from the wrong done to us, only then we can be free determined to really and truly walk away from it. And, and that's, you know, when, when we got the, the, um, the, the, the uh, app message mm-hmm. from Melinda in Virginia, she had mentioned that. Yes. You know, the idea of sometimes you've got to rehearse it and do it again and again because what happens with human nature is we'll walk away, but then we go back. Yes. And you say, wait, 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 I'm not supposed to be here. And you walk away again, and then you go back. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to truly walk away, then you can be free. And that is such a powerful, powerful experience. 
earlier in the program, Jonathan, uh, we were, there was a soundbite from MSNBC where a guy, the, 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 the newscaster, got all choked up. Yes. Because this whole group of people showed up they're and they're singing hymns. gospel hymns. This, from, this is from GBTV. This is a woman named Kayla Hall who was there in part of that group and she's going to share part of her experience with which I think really is 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 heartening because she had nothing to do with it but she made the trip there to be a part of being a support let's listen even at the church I took a step back with my three boys and we just kind of hugged each other and I said a little prayer in our own circle and asked them to really think about the people that had passed away and what they were doing they weren't in the wrong place they weren't doing the wrong thing, and evil came. But look what was happening. I had them look everywhere. And then somebody mentioned, please meet, meet a stranger next to you. And some man came over to us, and he kind of had some African garb on. And one of my little ones said, where are you from? And he said, I'm from here in Charleston. And my little one just went and hugged him. And it was just a really special moment for my boys and me. You know, there's great wisdom in what she did with her with her three sons because they were afraid. Mom, can this happen when we go to church? Sure. So sure. she said, I went there to show them that you can't live your life afraid. And I said, look, bad things came. But look at what's happened as a result. Look at all the good that you are now surrounded with. And it gave them strength in a very difficult circumstance. Beautiful lesson. It taught them to live in a forgiving way, even though she didn't use those words. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's a, it's a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable lesson. Folks, if you have a thought, we are talking about true forgiveness, what it means for us. It's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, we've talked about the three three of the words used for forgiveness in the New Testament. The fourth word, is what does it mean? Favor. That simple. Favor. Favor. Okay. Observation on that. It's broadly used in the sense of having a big heart, and it's not necessarily focused on taking away sin, but showing favor towards. And when you think about it, forgiveness is a measure of showing some kind of favor. Not necessarily releasing. We cannot release somebody from their consequences. Right. But we can show favor from the standpoint of saying, okay, I, your, your, your wrong is not going to have a negative effect on me. Now, that, that's, that's actually showing favor toward, toward the person who committed the sin. You're right. You're right. Because it's, it's, not, it, it, it's taking them out of your life where they don't belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philippians 1.29. For unto you it is given in the, on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And Rick, that word given is that word for favor. Then that's kind of strange. It's like, well, we're talking about forgiveness. Unto you it is given. In other words, you have been favored with on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but you've been favored to suffer for his sake. Mm -hmm. You've been favored to suffer. You think, wait a minute. (laughs) But it makes perfect sense. Because a true Christian is supposed to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It is a privilege. It is, absolutely. Colossians 3.13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Okay, and again, for, so the words for forgiving are those words that mean favor. So forbearing one another and favoring one another, if you have a quarrel against any, even as Christ favored you, so also you favor one another. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not the same depth of the pardon that we talked about earlier that Christ takes away, you know, our sins. But it is giving a, a positiveness out from us rather than that, that, that negative uh, uh, ill wish yes. uh, toward, toward those who, who may have done wrong to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so we, we're going through how do we co- become better forgivers. First of all, realize that forgiveness um, is good for your health. Secondly, uh, walk away from the wrong done. Truly walk away. What's the third lesson here? Give one another the benefit of the doubt wherever possible. That's what it means to favor someone. You give them the benefit of the doubt wherever it is possible. Okay, we, we heard earlier in this segment the statement from the family of the shooter. Yes. And I thought it might be a, a good idea to go back to another incident from a few years ago to look back on a horrible, horrible crime that was committed and what happens to the family of the person who committed the crime. I think it was in 2012. There was a, a shooting in an Amish community. I don't know if you remember. There was a man who walked into a school oh, and yes. shot a bunch of children. Yes. His mother. First of all, the Amish people immediately reacted with forgiveness. And they embraced his mother especially. This is from WGAL. This is the mother of that Amish shooter and how that forgiveness has transformed her life. She didn't do anything wrong but how that forgiveness transformed her life. News 8's Ann Shannon spoke with her, and, and this is all about forgiveness, isn't it? That's right, Ron and Kim. Terry Roberts says if you only hear one thing she has to say, one part of her message, she wants you to hear her message of forgiveness. She says accepting the forgiveness the Amish families had to offer her was the first step in her healing journey. It even helped her forgive her own son. I just feel like God's grace to get me through and to give me a hope and a future has been uh, nothing short of amazing. <laughs> and, and, and we'll hear from her again in, in the next segment. But Jonathan, understand wow. the, the, the power of those who were the families of the victims. We, when, when, when we're victimized by something, we can, you know, and, and, and in a way, rightfully so, we can focus on our pain and our suffering and the difficulty and trudge our way through. But if you can find a way through a forgiving attitude to rise not only to deal with that, to rise to that occasion, but to rise to the occasion of looking at the, the family of, of the shooter, for instance, like in this case. They transformed her life while recovering their own. Wow. Because That's powerful. they put themselves out in a very, very, very dramatic way. So, so Jonathan, let's um, very, very quickly... <clears throat> Actually, you know what? Let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Bob from New Jersey. Good morning, Bob, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hello, Rick. Hello, Bob. Yeah, how are you today? I'm fine. I don't know if you had a chance to talk about the rest of that quote uh, that I heard earlier in the program, because I was away from the uh, the phone for a minute. I'm away from, away from the radio. Uh, where it talks in Luke 17 about uh, you must forgive them and uh, the way the disciples responded to that, about saying that... Um, uh, Lord, increase our faith, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting, Rick. Uh, the The point of it is that if you don't have faith, you can't achieve this, and maybe that's the only way it can happen. But I wanted to talk also about the sycamine tree. Did you get into that at no, all? No, no, not at all, so go ahead. Well, I think the sycamine tree is an interesting point. When you hear uh, Jesus saying, uh, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. 
But this one in Luke 17 says you can pull out the sycamine, or as Luther translated it, the mulberry tree. But the mulberry tree is a bitter fruit, excuse me, a sweet fruit. And the the fig uh, from the sycamine tree is a bitter fig. And someone uh, pointed out to me that <clears throat> when you have the sycamine fruit, and that is the bitterness that's in your heart from an experience, such as someone hurting you or hurting someone you love, or hurting anybody, and that bitterness in your heart, you can't really go very far. But many of us have in the past, when we have a problem, we go back to the issue. It's like going back to a table and grabbing the bitter fig and eating it again and feeling that pain in our chest and heart. Yeah, yeah. But I thought another thing that's very interesting about the sycamine tree, when Jesus used that, it happens to be a tree growing in the Middle East that puts down incredibly deep roots. Needless to say, it's in an arid area. And the funny part about it, or the peculiar, I should say, part, is that that particular tree has um, has been used to manufacture, guess what? What? Well, I'm not going to make you guess. No, good. But it's to manufacture coffins. Now, that's bizarre. So if you don't get rid of the sycamine tree, you might expect to not have life. It's like, if you can't forgive your brother, uh, neither will God forgive you. So I thought that this is a very important connection about the sycamine tree. But I'd like your take on it, and I have to put my phone down now and get going. <laughs> All right, Bob. Thanks, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. Take care. And, and you know, there's there's a true student of the Bible there. You can tell. <laughs> and and you know th- that the it's funny because I was studying about the sycamine tree in a different context recently, and it does it puts down these incredibly deep roots. And so when Jesus says to uproot it and toss it into the sea, that would be a real monumental task. Sure. I did not know that its wood was used to make coffins. coffins. And mm. if you let it stay planted in your heart, and you keep going back to eat the bitter fruit then you may end up in with a coffin. You know, and really, there, there's a powerful, powerful message there. And again, great faith can produce great forgiveness. Again, our forgiveness does not release someone from the consequences of their actions. It releases us from any consequences of their actions. Can we do that? Can we have the great faith to do that. And, and Jonathan, um, just very quickly, because we're out of time for this particular segment, Luke uh, 53, verses 3 to 7, we won't read it, but it's a, it's a prophecy of Jesus you know, bearing our sins. And the bottom line lesson there is remember that Jesus, what he did, as shown in Isaiah 53, is vastly different than what we can do towards each other. If he could bear our sins and pardon us, surely, through faith, we can decide to not allow another's sinful actions to control our lives. That's how you become a better forgiver. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? Coming up, it's one thing to be forgiven and another to live forgiven. How may we do a better job of living forgiven in a world that's lost its way? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Forgiveness Really Necessary? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL 
or message us on your app. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now and our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, um, Jonathan, this, this is such an important subject because it, it has to do with every part of our lives. And, and to live the Christian principle of sending sin away from you about something that's been done to you is it, it does regard last caller really really nailed it down it does require great faith to do that yes and but if you apply that great faith and you do that your life can be so much more wholesome and so much more giving as we've seen through all of these various uh, sound bites and experiences yes. uh, of especially the people involved in the uh, South Carolina the the victims uh, families uh, and 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 friends in in that shooting and and you know since then Jonathan just just by way of history they've they've gone back to having bible studies in that very same room again already very good. They're 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 about their business of trying to find and worship God, and I give them great credit for that. Um, okay, let's go uh, to another soundbite. This is again CNN interview. He's this the interviewer is talking to several different Christians about the amazing turn of events after such a tragedy in in this idea of just having this wholesome Christian forgiveness applied. Dr. Moore, tell us what you're feeling as you, as you hear the, the, the hymns behind us. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I've been struck by the hymns not only right now in the church, but last night as I was walking around just a few minutes ago, we heard that majestic hymn, A Mighty Fortress is My God, that says, The Prince of Darkness Grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. And I think that's the power that we saw in the forgiveness uh, that was given by these families. It's not that they are saying that, that what happened is okay, and it's not that they're saying there shouldn't be justice. They're saying we're not going to be enslaved by hatred. We're going to instead turn you over for the dealing of justice by the state and ultimately the justice of God. So that's moving. what the gospel is all it about. Gives you, it gives you shivers just, just hearing it. And, and that's such a great, great uh, observation. Satan and his minions are going to get theirs eventually. Don't worry about that. Worry about being clean before God. That's what we need to be wor- worrying about. God's justice will, will prevail eventually. Uh, so, Jonathan, we do. let's go to the phones before we get back to this idea of how do we live forgiven. All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Matthew twenty six fifty two. Put your sword back into its sheath, for all who take the sword will die by the sword. Jesus came to restore and proclaim the unity of all in God. Lack of forgiveness, as a practical matter, separates us from that unity. To not forgive does not punish the transgressor, but hurts us. Colossians two nine ten. In Christ dwells the whole fullness of the deity bodily, and you share in that fullness in him. Ultimately, the sin of the one who hurts us is between them and God. We must not allow their sin to be between us and God. The sword divides by death. Jesus unites by life. Ephesians 4.4 One body and one spirit, as you were also called, to the one hope of your call. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And, and you know, the, the, he's reinforcing the fact that if we don't forgive, we're hurting ourselves. Yes. Because it's all in God's hands. It really, truly, truly is all in God's hands. Um, Jonathan, we, we want to get to another story of living in a forgiven way. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. 
And as we go through this story, um, we got a, another comment in with a question. How is it not relevant to my life if I've forgiven somebody? You know, how, how does it become not relevant what happened? And I think that's an important question. And as we go through the story of Zacchaeus, see if we can weave the answer into that story. So let's go to uh, Luke chapter 19, 1 through 10. This is a great story about learning to live forgiven. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So what sort of taxes Zacchaeus was concerned about, we're not sure. However, he was a principal man in this, in, in this tax collecting, and he had gotten very wealthy through his employee. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, well, I won't jump ahead. Let's, let's go now. Verses 3 and 4 of Luke 19. Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, who Jesus was, and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran up ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. So what you see here, Jonathan, is a very clear enthusiasm for Jesus. And Zacchaeus went to extraordinary lengths to merely see him. I mean, a grown man climbs a tree. You don't see that happening too often. Right. Okay? Right. He's, he, he wants to just get a glimpse of Zacchaeus, so he climbs the tree so he can look at him. So I think that there's one of the lessons. How do we learn to live forgiven? Lesson here is what? It is to live forgiven by striving to see that which is true and honest. He wanted, he knew there was something different about Jesus. He didn't expect to talk to him. He just wanted to see him. Yep. And so he went to extraordinary lengths to just get a glimpse. Verses 5 through 7. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. So Zacchaeus... Jesus sees him up in the tree looking, you know, and, you know, uh, you, can you imagine Zacchaeus? He's, like, oh, he's looking at me. Now what do I do? <laughs> but he says, you know, come on down. Come on down. And he called him by name. Right, right. How did you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And, and it says he heard and came down and it says that he received him gladly. He was truly excited and enthusiastic about Jesus because there was something so different. So, so what's the for, living forgiven lesson here? Live forgiven by immediately receiving that which is true and honest into your life with joy. He didn't know enough about Jesus yet, but he knew he was different. He knew he was godly, and that was enough for him. Zacchaeus was looking for an answer beyond what he had already had. Yes. Now, Zacchaeus had a whole bunch because he was a wealthy man. But he was looking for something far beyond, and Jesus was the answer to that. Let's continue. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. You know, and it's in, it, there's great generosity there. There is. Now, it's interesting. In Jameson, Foster, and Brown, it says, If I have, and it says, If I have defrauded, mm-hmm. Jameson, Foster, and Brown says, it kind of means, So far as I have, for evidently the if is so used in Philippians uh, 4, 8. You know, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Well, of course there's praise and virtue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Know? So what, what, what the commentator is saying is Zacchaeus realized that he had taken part in defrauding some. Okay. So he was willing to step up. Make it right. And make it right in a very big way. So what, what's the living forgiven lesson here? Live forgiven by gi- being a giver and be thoroughly and righteously restoring all wrongs done. Now, it's interesting. That's the living forgiven lesson. Now, Roman law, 
would have required a four-time restoration, just like he said. Oh, that's interesting. Nobody came hunting him down requiring of it, it of him, but he imposed it upon himself. Wow. See, now, Jewish law would have only required a 20% restoration, but Roman law required four times. So he went with the nth degree to show that he really was changed here. It was self-imposed, and he was willing to do whatever it took because he saw in Jesus something wonderful, a way to live in a freedom that he had never experienced. So, you know, we're seeing these living, forgiven lessons by the experience, the simple experience of Zacchaeus. And let's just go and finish off this part of the story. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, Jesus announces that salvation has come to him in his house. Yes. What's the live forgiven lesson? Live forgiven by not looking back to your previous sinful ways. So, Zacchaeus was able to be released from them because he was willing to do whatever was necessary. That's right. Now, get back to that comment that came in about, okay, how does forgiving make the, the sin against me irrelevant? And it's the same principle. What happens is if somebody has done a very terrible wrong to you, if you are forgiving, you can let that wrong not have an effect on your daily life. It cannot, you're not thinking about it over and over again. You're not bitter about it. Your life actions and activities are not dictated by what had happened at that time. All of your life is focused on something bigger and better. It, and, and folks, I just want a, a good example of that in my own life, my own experience – program we did last august 30th with my daughter oh yes who had who who was raped at age 15 and our family experience of learning to release that experience from our lives and specifically from hers sure she forgave the man and you can't tell that she had such an experience it's a great example of just letting it go letting it be part of what happened in the past and not affect what happens in the future wow that's the principle of Christian forgiveness. Let's go back to one final soundbite from uh, WGAL.com, the mother of the Amish shooter. Remember, we heard from her a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And she's just talking about the bond that she has come to appreciate and enjoy with the families of the children that her son killed. I mean, think about that. Let's, Let's listen. Terry Roberts still refers to it as the tragedy But even in the wake of such sorrow, Terry has found great hope. How often do you go back to that day? Every week. Once a week, she spends time with 14-year-old Rosanna, one of the five girls injured in the school shooting. Uh, She was sent home to die, but she is very much alive. She recognizes me when I come. Roberts and her husband have relationships with each of the Amish families impacted by the tragedy. They come to the Roberts Southern Lancaster County home to eat, share, and enjoy. The bond with the families is just nothing short of amazing and God's grace. I mean, it is so God's grace. And when you think about the bond, you could hear it. You could hear the emotion in her oh, voice. Oh, yes. But you think, okay, well, what do they have in common? They have a tragedy and forgiveness and God's grace in common. That's enough. That's enough to bridge all kinds of gaps. And folks, if we would just learn to apply those things, and it does take great faith. And I, and I would go so far to say, Jonathan, in most cases, without great Christian faith, you're really not going to be able to find it so easily. Good point. Because Christian faith basically says 
you have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. Now go and act accordingly. And Rick, what, on a personal level, what about grudges that we can have against others like parents, spouse, children, friends, or bosses? You know, that blame game, that can be wearing us down on a very small basis, not, not a dramatic, huge experience like these, uh, but it can eat away. A grudge will kill you. It'll kill you, and that's what forgiveness is. Jonathan, we are pretty much out of time. There are one, two, three, four, five more living forgiven lessons from Ephesians four twenty-five to 32. Just read them off. Live forgiving by living and speaking out that which is true. Live forgiven by living, acting, and responding in a Christ-like fashion. Live forgiving by always being a building-up influence in all areas of your life. Live forgiven by choosing to live better, not bitter. Live forgiven by being gracious and forgiving. That's what Jesus did. Those, and so there's a, there's a ton of living forgiven lessons on how do we actually apply it. So folks, please, sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You get all of this. It's all on paper in the PDF format. It comes to you via email once a week. Take a look at it. Post, post this list on your refrigerator so you can actually apply the scriptural principles of being Christ-like and learning what true forgiveness really is because it's something the world does not understand. You have a privilege if you know and understand Christ. Forgiveness, folks. Forgiveness transforms your life. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We have certainly enjoyed being with you on a very, very, very important subject. We'll be back again next week with another topic. But until then, forgiveness, you, your life, the scriptures, all of them can work together if we choose to have them to work together and transform your life to be much more in line with a God-honoring life. Until next week, forgiveness. Think about it.